Hey, this is John Keeble from Warbringer, all the way from Los Angeles. I have your new album, Weapons of Tomorrow, for review. It's amazing. It's totally uncompromising. How pleased are you with the finished product? Well, I mean, I haven't gotten a, a lot of feedback on it yet, but personally, I'm really happy. I'm really glad you like it. Uh, these interviews I'm doing right now are actually, uh, since the record's not out yet, it's kind of the first... Uh, external feedback I'm getting, so heck, uh, if, if you're talking about it like that, I guess I'm very happy with the result. <laughs> Honestly, it's amazing. I particularly love, at the moment, Defiance of Fate. Which is your favorite track on the album today, and why? Well, let's see. Defiance of Fate is up there for me, just because it's so different. Uh, I really like the epics on this one. So there's Defiance of Fate, uh, there's Heart of Darkness, there's Notre Dame, King of Fools, and there's also Glorious End. Uh, Glorious End was kind of my like pet project on the record, so I'm really proud of that one. How that one came out uh, lyrically, and you know how the, the lyrics and the music go together—that's always something I'm very interested in, given my role in the band. Uh, but on the whole, there isn't a song on there I'm not proud of, which I think uh, hopefully everyone who ever releases an album can say. And of course, it gets released near the end of April with this whole COVID-19 disrupting the whole world. Do you plan to release it later? And then head out, head out, hopefully on tour? Yes. Uh, well, basically, I, th I think the release date, as far as I know, as of us talking, is unaffected. It may, there may be a delay. It's really hard for me to anticipate. And, you know, this will probably be aired after we're actually having it. So, uh, after we're actually talking right now. But, uh... I know for a fact that one unfortunate side effect is that uh, touring will be delayed. Not canceled, but uh, there was basically a tour that, a, lot, a U.S. tour that a lot of people I think would have been very happy to see. Uh, it was about to be announced for the United States that had to be postponed altogether. And we're still dealing with this. Uh, you know, our booking agents are scratching their heads as much as anyone else is. So uh, I think the touring. Uh, industry in general is going to be hit pretty hard and I think pretty much every musician in any genre of music is going to have to postpone their plans uh, until further notice basically and uh, so it's quite unfortunate that we won't be able to tour it looks like uh, immediately following the release of the record but we will tour on the record for sure that's part of the plan and uh, we're going to do everything we can to support this record. We also have uh, we have we have a documentary about the making and writing of the record coming out uh, that we've recorded, and uh, we're going to try to do whatever else we can do to give people content, you know, live performance uh, streams, even stuff like that. We're going to look into what we can do to support this record, even though we, even though we can't go on the road on the road for it immediately after the documentary. That sounds really interesting. Um, that was one of my questions. Do you hope to do some sort of webcast at some stage? I mean, that might be the only way for the moment, mightn't it? It's yeah, I, I think we might be looking into... Uh, we're in the early phase now because we, we just had a powwow of our own. Of what do we do about this? Uh, this is how it's affecting us and this is how it might affect us. And what do we actually do? So we're in, we're in the process of figuring that along with everyone else. Um, basically... What I think we do is pretty much carry on and uh, 
try as best we can to release whatever content uh, we may in this t- this time, and then go hit the road hard as soon as this blows over. I think that's basically the plan, and I think that's probably the plan for a lot of bands right now. It's going to be like a pile-up at the end of the year, by the way. It's going with everything. You've released two tracks already. The videos are stunning. Basically, people seem to really like it. I'm really proud of the results. I think uh, people enjoy both of them. We've released a, a fast song, Firepower Kills, which uh, we released some time ago, and a, and a song, The Black Hand Reaches Out, which came out rather recently. And uh, these are the track one and two, and those are both some of the quicker, uh, quicker, catchier numbers, quicker, <laughs> quicker, catchier numbers on the record. And uh, we like to put those kind forward first. And I think the next release will be will be uh, one of the epics that's going to come out pretty soon in about a week or two. And and so and so we should have a total of goals before the album comes out that kind of will give the listener a good idea of the breadth of the wreck record because uh we're a thrash band really thrash and blow your head off when you pick up the album but we also want to write real songs that are interest interesting to verse and uh you know just give you a lot to sink your teeth into whether you're there to bang your head and run run in a circle or whether you're just listening to the record you know want it to work on every single level where it's uh yeah, yeah, it's just it's like what we would consider to be a you know a, an ideal thrash record.
really love your album's artwork. They're all really eye-catching. Do you have a lot of involvement with the artwork side of it? And have you got a lot of it framed at your home? Yes, that's me personally that deals with that, at least the last couple records. Uh, Lord of the Vanquish was very much my concept. I believe we talked about that in our interview a few years ago. But this one was very much uh, a kind of handed... Andreas Marshall, the same artist as Lord of the Vanquish, uh, who's done a splendid job on both of these covers, I believe. Basically, I gave him this idea of, of let's have the the weapons of tomorrow, the, the titular weapon of tomorrow, kind of emerging from some like Great War-era-looking monuments, which was very much the theme of the last cover. So it's kind of, you know, the, the future emerging from the past, or, or the present, if you will, emerging from the past. And to capture that, it comes really cool. And I think he did that with the color scheme, where the kind of rusted copper and red tones of the last album cover are in the background, and all the sleek blue and silver is out in the foreground. There's also a cool trick that uh, if you look at, uh, and this is something that the artist came up with on his own too, it's uh, very much an artist-ish thing that a singer like me wouldn't necessarily think of, lines of symmetry on the other one, kind of triangularly pointing inwards, and on this one it's the opposite, where it's pointing outwards. So if you follow like the lines, other lines in the picture, they go opposite directions. Very much the uh, cover arts for Weapons of Tomorrow and Woe to the Vanquish end up being very tied together and related, which was basically that was my part of the concept. The interpretation for how that got done was almost entirely Andreas Marshall and that uh, that faceless drone uh, robot man who's holding out his hand saying, join us in the cover. That's actually a paraphrase on an Italian fascist propaganda artist who uh, named uh, named Gino Bocasile, who uh, who did a bunch of, you know, art and pro propaganda during the Second World War. And uh, he did this one specifically that is a German Wehrmacht soldier smiling and holding out his hand to shake. And it's an uh, Italian-German friendship poster, World War II. That's the context. But just the idea of a guy in the Wehrmacht, you know, which we know is basically the evil army, smiling at you and holding out his hand. Yes, join us. That's, there's something creepy and evil about that. And uh, so he took that as a direct inspiration for that guy in the middle, where it's here, it's the faceless uh, technological future. You know that he represents, or at least that's how I read it. That that's amazing. See, that's the thing that you get with with vinyl, between vinyl and then you've got uh, digital. That's just the story behind it. That's amazing, man. I love that. That's brilliant. That's just awesome. How have you and how would you be spending your time while the world is in isolation? Oh, I've been hanging out with my wife and my cats and like learning to cook a bunch of stuff, basically. It's honestly uh, been kind of nice for me. We're lucky that we were, uh, you know, we, we were well off enough that we can kind of just bunker up after this. But I'm very worried for what it means for a lot of people or for ourselves if it carries on too long, you know. Um, it's like we're a bear hibernating for the winter, except instead of fat to store, we need money. That's the, the situation everyone's in, and they only have whatever they had at the time this happened. So I think that one of the really interesting things that I'm seeing emerge from this is a heavy criticism of the existing social system, basically because the pandemic is laying bare some of the 
broader inequalities in society that both, I think, your and my country's recent elections, that these are hot-button issues uh, in, in either one, basically, uh, sort of, what do we do about world late-stage capitalism and globalism? And there's a lot, there's a lot to that. But I think that uh, that kind of uncertainty and change in the world that was already happening that you see in the political sphere is uh, getting blown wide open by this uh, this crisis. You've got to worry about people that are like homeless and that. And some people who have been self-employed are going to have to go onto state system you know, they've never had to deal with this before, so it is going to be like a powder keg, absolutely. It's, it's interesting times. Yeah, it's strange as hell, so uh, I, I don't really know uh, what the result will be. So far, though, it's been nice sitting around, and honestly, a large percentage of my time has been doing interviews about the record, so it's kind of, uh, it, it hasn't been so bad, uh, the material circumstances. For me, but then again, I'm a guy who, if I had my way, would pretty much sit at home and do, you know, I'd be like Bilbo Baggins before the adventure kind of thing. I would love to sit at home and not miss second breakfast, you know. I think that my character being like that at home is very much a response to all the time I've spent touring. I don't think I was that way before. I think I became that way after spending a decade or more on the road. That when I am at home, all I want to do is stay there. <laughs> you are a phenomenal singer. Have you ever tried any other genres of metal or rock or even thought about it? I've thought about it. I haven't. Uh, basically, I never played an instrument or sang a note or, you know, you could argue I still don't sing a note. It's it's uh, not melodic singing for sure. I didn't do any of that before Warbringer. During all this time, kind of between the fourth and fifth records, and during my studies, I took a classical vocal and a musical theory class, and both of those actually really helped me develop further a, a lot. I did Disney songs and that. I did a whole new world, Colors of the Way, and other stuff. So completely different vocal style, uh, you know, under, like, a opera lady, basically. Um, and I did well, too. It, it helped me work on, uh, so, you know, but the actual music part of music isn't the part that comes easily to me. I'm very much a conceptual and idea guy who happens to enjoy music. A lot of the musicians I work with are very much the opposite, where they're naturals. They got music in their veins. So uh, I'm coming at it from a very different angle. Uh, so I think I have kind of a unique position as a vocalist because I'm kind of, uh, I'm not a natural at music at all. I'm very much a learned person where uh, I've learned it through trial error and then some later on some study to help the trial and error along uh, but yes so I'm saying in a like singing class setting I sang many of your Disney favorites and a few other uh, melodic staples and like folk songs and stuff and I managed to do it well enough but for war basically Warbringer or something else it's not the totality of my musical interest or even close but uh, for Warbringer I have a very specific style and you'll see that I don't really want to like jump and do something and now for something completely different I want to kind of just widen and bend that style that I've created and sort of lean into my own character rather than try to throw a totally different character at you uh, the closest I've come to like doing something totally different is Defiance of Fate, but there's there's some like death metal esque vocals from the last record to this one. Uh, Spectral Asylum from the last one had a lot of it. Black Hand has a touch of it here. So does uh, so does Crush Beneath the Tracks. I'd say so. I, I kind of delve between the range of thrash and just generally extreme vocals. And what I really try to do is do that 
as enunciated and tight as possible. I'm not really trying to go and do a whole new style. I'm trying to kind of do uh, a variant on an existing style, which is, I, I guess, if you want me to say what's my vocal theory craft, it's uh, I basically want to do the machine gun rapid fire thrash metal style that you'd hear on like pleasure to kill or epidemic of violence or rain and blood, you know, one of those machine gun barkers uh, from the eighties, but with the theatricality and kind of like sing along ability of uh, classic metal vocalists like Dickinson, Halford, Dio, one of those kind of guys. What song would be the soundtrack of your life? Oh, Christ. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, if you just want to go like, like my answer for what song I think you really... I, I My standard, like, I need this album on a desert island answer is uh, Bathory Twilight of the Gods. But that's more like a forest and mountain music, you know, even... Uh, so it might not even be optimal for the desert island. I don't have, like, one. Uh, let me just name a few things I listened to recently. Um, it's it's a bit of a smorgasbord. I did uh, I just did Flotsam and Jetsam Doomsday for the Deceiver in my house the other day while I was working out. Uh, that intro rip on Hammerhead, so bitchin'. Uh, that's a cool, like, second-tier thrash album that's got a more, like, melodic edge. Uh, that was fun. I did, uh, I really enjoy there's this game company called paradox games and i dabble with their games from time to time but way more than that who the, this guy they have composing their soundtracks andreas waldetoff from sweden especially the stellaris one which is like their space thing that's that shit's beautiful that's just wonderful music to like put on and and leave on and it's background enough that you can do other stuff it's foreground enough that it's not boring and it and then recently, catch up on a random assortment of Hindi and Bollywood music has been playing in my home. Uh, my wife loves to like go. We have a pole in our house, so she likes to dance and stuff. Um, and so I get all kinds of random stuff from her that uh, she often has control of the home airwaves. And uh, it's been a lot of like Hindi and Bollywood music, and she gets recommendations from stuff. But I don't, I can't, I don't speak Hindi, so I don't even. I can't say names of artists here, but uh, a lot of stuff, and I've been really enjoying it, and I kind of have been, lately, if you're going to go into the realm of pop and commercial music, I kind of favor foreign music, because you can't tell what they're saying, and that really helps me enjoy it. That's not really, like, my heart and soul stuff. If you want to know, like, what's the main influence of Warbringer, it's the same as it's always been, you know, classic thrash and heavy metal. Uh, some specifics would be, like, First Five Creators, Slayer, Demolition Hammer, Sacrifice uh, in the Thrash Sphere, uh, and then on the Heavy Metal Sphere, you know, just Priest Maiden, Man of War, Virgin Steel, you know, Manila Road, a lot of a lot of stuff uh, in the epic direction, I'd say. That's some of my favorite metal, but I'm into all kinds of shit, and I've been into metal for well over a decade now, and uh, my pillars are kind of the same, so... I'm in this phase right now in music where I'm listening to a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with that whatsoever, and then kind of one by one revisiting a lot of those old records that got me into music and the first into metal in the first place, and kind of getting a ten years later take on them. You know, like like Doomsday to the, for the Deceiver or something. I haven't jammed in a good minute. You know, so there. That's a bit about my current listening. Hopefully that 
works for an answer to that yeah. uh, that question that I can't that I didn't I didn't really answer it directly That's at all to, cool. to your credit. Can you tell us why we should buy weapons of tomorrow? And this is based on uh, the creator's perspective here. I don't think you're going to hear a better thrash metal record in 2020 or maybe 20 through 2021 uh, I think that we've got a record here that's as intense as anything else you'll hear and has a depth of ideas musicianship and songwriting that you're just not going to get from any any other thrash metal band on the present on the planet and that includes the legacy bands I am I am very cognizant that in order for us to justify our own existence we need to not just be like the 80s, we need to beat what those bands are doing today. That is our direct competition because they're still around in the field. So I think we've made a better, more inspired, hungrier, and a more energetic record than any of those guys are doing. And I say that with full respect because those guys are a lot of why we're here. But uh, if I don't try to do that, I have no worth as an artist. So that's what we tried to do. We tried to beat everyone and give you the, a thrash metal record you could put up next to your rest in peace and stuff and uh, i think we managed to make it now it ain't my call though it's yours so i'd like to see what you think <laughs> i want to thank you so much for your time i think the album is going to be up there for sure do you have any final words for your fans and our listeners well stay safe stay indoors let's let's do well as a society to respond to danger if everyone's responsible we can do better together and hope you check out the record you know if you're still indoors then you you know hopefully you play it a ton of times we really hope you like it we put a lot of work into this and we're going to continue uh anywhere you see that spiky w logo you can be damn assured that that means the quality heavy metal with no compromise hey this is john keeble from warbringer and you are listening to the metal gods meltdown
I'm your 